Okay. So Jessica and Dan and I, um, last year, first semester, fall semester, we were all part of two classes, an engineering class and a biology class, that got together to discuss sustainability at Calvin. Um, and so it was, it was a pretty unique opportunity because I know as a biologist I spend a lot of time working with other biologists. Um, and I suspect the engineers do as well. So it was kind of cool to get together and kind of work across these fields and um, I guess kind of learn how to work with people from other fields. Uh, but yeah, we got to talk about sustainability and I'll, uh, I'll give the details of the project in a couple minutes. First I'll uh, start out with talking about sustainability. There's a lot of different descriptions of su sustainability. Um, these are three that we liked. Um, they all kind of emphasize different aspects of sustainability. Uh, the first one, uh, sustainable, sustainable society is one whose long-term prospect for continuing to exist are good. Such a society would be characterized by an emphasis on preserving the environment, developing strong, peaceful relationships between people and nations, and an emphasis on equitable distribution of wealth. And I really like this one because it's I feel like it's more holistic. It um, doesn't just focus on the environment, but it also looks at relationships between people and nations, and also distribution of wealth. Now, our class um, focused on the environmental aspect, um, which is what these next two quotes are uh, focused more on. The second one is uh, improving the quality of human life while living within the caring capacity of supporting ecosystems. And I think this one, um, I really like the fact that it emphasizes the caring capacity. Um, we can't try and get more out of the ecosystem than it is able to provide for us. And then this third one is probably my favorite. And is in a sustainable community, resource consumption is balanced by resources assimilated by the eco ecosystem. A community is unsustainable if it consumes resources faster than they can be renewed, produces more waste than natural systems can process, or relies upon distant sources for its basic needs. And I know for me, I tend to think of uh, sustainability as just not using resources faster than they can be renewed. But this focuses also on waste disposal and on um, where we get those resources from. So I, I think that these definitions are all very good. Now first I'll start with a biblical basis for why we decided to look at sustainability. Um, in Luke 27, Jesus told us that um, the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and also to love your neighbor as yourself. And I know I, I believe that the, the only way to truly and completely love our God is to make sure, well, not the only way, but in order to truly love our God, we must make sure that we are caring for creation. And um, one, of the way, one of the reasons that we need to is because Christ created, through God, Christ, God created everything. Um, Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And Colossians 1.16 emphasizes that um, all things are created by, by Christ. Everything on earth, visible and invisible. Um, and then I really like Genesis 1.31 because it emphasizes that this creation is, is very good. It's not just that God threw it all together, but it's very good. And, you know, who are we as part of his creation to destroy that creation? Um, another reason that we need to care for creation is because Jesus Christ is the sustainer and the reconciler. Uh, Hebrews emphasizes that um, through his word, Christ is sustaining all of creation. And then Colossians um, tells us that by the blood of Christ, we, uh, creation is reconciled to him. And I think that um, as the hands and feet of Christ, 
our caring for creation is extremely important in that process. Also, creation declares the glory of God. Psalm 19 one says, The heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of His hands. I've lived in Virginia for this past ten weeks um, in the sh beautiful Shenandoah Valley, and I've witnessed this firsthand. It's absolutely beautiful there, and I couldn't help but see God in creation. And now that I'm here in the Pacific Northwest, where I've never been before, I see it all over the place. Um, <clears throat> another thing is uh, the environmental problems and our uh, call to love others. Um, I think that part of caring for creation is an act of love towards other people because if we are destroying this creation, we're um, hurting the people who uh, depend upon it. And I think this last verse from Psalm, it's kind of lengthy, but I really like it because it explains the inner relationship between God, humanity, and the rest of creation and how dependent we are on it and um, also how it displays the glory of God. I'll just read it real quick. You care for the land and water it. You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drenched its furrows and level its ridges. You so often you soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the desert overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. So yeah, it just emphasizes just how much we depend on this, the God's creation, and just how glorious it is and how it declares God's glory. All right, so getting down to the project. Um, this project that uh, we got together and worked on, um, our professors brought us this question. What would it take to make Calvin College carbon neutral? And there's a lot that goes into this. I didn't realize nearly how much work it would take when I first looked at this. Um, but in order to find out what it would take to make Calvin College carbon neutral, you first have to find out exactly how much carbon it emits, and then all the steps to becoming carbon neutral, and then all the funding. So yeah, it's a lot of work. So I'll talk about carbon neutrality just for a minute, and then um, we'll get into the, just to talk about the carbon footprint. Oh, and carbon neutrality is just uh, having a net zero carbon emissions. Um, it would be really difficult to get to the point where our college was emitting no carbon, but um, our goal is to get to the point where our sequestration rate is the same as our emission rate. Um, last November, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change um, got together and they declared that climate change is undeniable. Um, we can't, I mean, we can't deny it. And then. Also, that human activity has been the cause of it for the last 50 years, or the major cause. Now, one initiative that's being taken is that um, is this president's climate commitment. Um, a lot of different um, presidents have started committing to um, helping to, uh, I guess, minimize their impact on global climate change, and they're. At the start of the school year last year, when we started this project, there were 80 signatories. But now that we look today, and there are 558 colleges that have signed on to this. Unfortunately, our school is not one of them. Um, but we're hoping that we are one of these days. And these signatories have committed to uh, inventorying their CO2 emissions and then making a plan to uh, become carbon neutral and a uh, date at which that will happen. They are also 
need to integrate sustainability into the curriculum and make uh, the plans and the inventory and the progress reports publicly available. And our project focused more on the uh, inventory of the CO2 emissions and also uh, proposing steps to becoming carbon neutral and the date where that could happen. So our project, um, these were the five, uh, five, six areas that we looked at. Um, we got these by looking at our college's sustainability statement. And these are the areas that we thought had the greatest impact on our uh, carbon emissions. Uh, the building operations was mostly the heating and cooling, though there was some other stuff that went into that one that was looked at. Um, construction, there's a lot of construction going on at Calvin right now. We're building a new field house, a new dorm. I know there's a lot of other proposed stuff. Uh, um, so we wanted to also look at the impact of that on our carbon emissions. Uh, food and waste disposal, um, recycling, and uh, where we get rid of our food. Uh, the daily commuter traffic, this one was difficult because we didn't know whether or not Calvin was responsible for that, but um, we figured that there's a lot of steps that Calvin could take to decrease the amount of daily commuter traffic, um, such as more on-campus housing, uh, less parking, because there's a lot of parking at Calvin. Also, the parking fees are really cheap compared to a lot of schools, which, I mean, those of us who drive like, but um, it also means that it's easier for people to drive. Uh, and then also just Calvin could support uh, bike lanes and uh, renting out bikes. So we decided to include that in our um, in this project. We also looked at service vehicle traffic, such as the campus safety and uh, the um, maintenance vehicles and lawnmowers and that kind of stuff. And lastly, the Calvin-sponsored air travel, um, like flying us out here. So these are the things that we looked at. Um, and Jess? Jess will now talk about the carbon footprint. In light of all these things that Dan just talked about, we have a pretty pretty biblical standpoint for which that we um, look at carbon neutrality and that we aim for a carbon neutral campus. Um, but it's a lot different to just say that we can biblically affirm the fact that we want carbon neutrality and then to actually go and take the steps to do it. And so when we when we took this plunge for this class, we looked at five different areas to assess. And we found these by looking at a statement of sustainability that Calvin put out a about two years ago and have signed. And five things that really stood out from this were our energy use, our transportation, our construction, our waste management and food production, and our land and water use. And these are big overarching ideas, but when we looked at energy, we specifically looked at our heating and cooling systems within all of Kelvin. And we looked at our transportation, as Dan said. We looked at the air fare, and we looked at um, our service vehicles around and our commuter traffic. In construction, um, we, we looked at the way that Kelvin builds buildings. We build buildings to be 100-year buildings, but that also means that at the 40-year mark, significant changes have to happen in the buildings, and they need a lot of renovation. And we also have a lot of new projects going on. We looked at the waste management, um, how much we how much we waste and how much and where that goes, and also where we recycle. And when it came to food production, we we wanted to look a little bit more deeply than we ever got a chance to at where our food came from and how it was grown. And if and when time allows, we'll look at that more, which could really make a difference in our outcomes. And also, we looked at our land and water use, and we looked at irrigation, and we looked at what it takes to keep our land upkeep, um, fertilizer and mowing and a lot of other things that happen around Kelvin. And when we finally looked at that, here are what we found with the emissions. 
we found that the energy use was astoundingly high. It was 42,352 metric tons of carbon. And the transportation was also very, very high at 2,900 metric tons. And construction waste and land also played a big part. But we looked at these two, that the energy use and the transportation that really had a huge and a very significant role in our emissions. And we broke them down a little bit further to see where these were really coming from. Our energy was primarily from our heating, but also about a quarter of it came from the electricity that we use here at Calvin. And our transportation primarily came from commuting vehicles. So these were things that we could really take into account when it came to our neutrality plan and what the biggest impact on our carbon emissions really were here at Calvin. And we also took the time to look into our sequestration potential that we had on campus now. And when you look at this graph, it's a little bit deceiving because it can make it look like a maintained lawn sequesters more carbon than a mature forest, which is indeed not the case. Um, this graph doesn't take into account the amount of land area that's actually used by all of these different plant systems. But you can see that we have five different main ecosystems here at Calvin, and they all do their part to sequester Calvin, to se sequester Calvin's carbon that we output. But when it comes down to it, we sequester about 51 metric tons of carbon per year and emit 66,400 metric tons, which is very far cry from being carbon neutral. Um, this graph makes it look really nice, but in actuality, this is more something that it would look like. So we have a long way to go at Kelvin, but um, this is not unlike other universities, and it's something that as Christians and as people interested in sustaining our environment really need to look at. So we took this data and started to propose a plan on how Kelvin could indeed become carbon neutral. And our next steps were basically to cut down on our emissions and increase our sequestration potential. Um, because as, as it stands, we were, we were at a huge problem. We, we had seen biblically and had been convicted that this was something that we needed to work on, but our actions weren't lining up. And so the next stage of our presentation, which will happen at 1.30, goes into our plan about how we indeed looked to make Calvin carbon neutral. And for this part of our presentation, we want to thank the two professors that worked with us, David Warners and um, Matthew Hoon, and also the professors that provided a lot of information and help, David Dornboss and Kenneth Pierce, and um, people throughout the Calvin community that helped with research and also gave us some numbers that we could crunch Henry DeVries, the physical plant, and Christine Prince. Um, if you guys have any questions for this section, we'd be glad to answer them now. I have one. Yes. You outlined the magnitude of the problem. Mm -hmm. It's really tremendous. It is. And it's nice and it's idealistic and important that you're working on it. Mm -hmm. What do you, what's your line of recovery? What's the angle, the slope of the line of recovery what do you estimate, what, how long will it take to make it actually carbon neutral, or is it ever going to be possible? If it is possible, it will take a very long if time. It would depend on how much emphasis we placed on it and how much of a priority it was for the Kelvin community. But in our next stage, which is a two-part section, we're... As you speak, you are emitting carbon dioxide. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it is incredibly ideal. and. Probably, if we're going to well, be. I'm a chemist, and I want to, want to know. I, it's a very important project, we, mm -hmm. certainly worldwide. Yeah. Concerned, but it's being 
misemphasized. I mean, it's the emphasis is there, but for survival and sustainability of a human population, it's it's a very very big problem. It is a very big problem. Now we had Chief Calvin College to remove her students, well, that'd be a real thing there, but it'd be municipal. Right, and I think. I think we aim this high in order to go as far as we can t feasibly. And so to say carbon neutral gives us a goal to shoot at, that uh, we can really, really take the steps. Also because, you know, the basic mission of ASA used to be years ago to improve the harmony between science and theology. Mm -hmm. And so you have <clears throat> theological background, you're scientific enough, and it's, it's great. So keep pushing it. Thank this you. Question, yeah. Oh my. I was very impressed with the cogeneration plant that they have at Kelvin, and I thought that that would greatly uh, improve this problem. I don't know if you're even aware of it. But yeah, we took a few tours of it. Okay. Um, so uh, I guess uh, I'm not sure what question to ask, but I, I, I know that uh, energy consumption was a high I'm Dan Vandenacker. I'm actually giving the next presentation. Um, I'm one of the engineers that helped here, so I can kind of address this question. Um, it did help quite a bit to have the uh, cogeneration plant. Um, what it does is it recycles um, steam, I guess, produces heat that we cycle through some of the hot water lines um, for heating and cooling our dorms. But what we found um, I, I guess many people have noticed already is that our dorms are very energy inefficient because they're that old and um, yeah if it's too hot in the dorms people just open their windows there's no individual co control between suites um, so it is a big help to have that cogeneration plant um, but it's not a solution by any means um, it's a step in the right direction um, they actually doubled the size of it in the past year um, so they know it's beneficial and they keep pushing it um, they've also installed more efficient boilers recently too um, so it's all part of the solution, and uh, I, I know our engineering department's pretty proud of that. We have a couple of professors that really like walking students through it. So it is good, um, but it's not a full solution by any means. There's one more question. We can package two, so we'll take two more and I'll get with this session. Talk. It's obvious that uh, the mission is a whole lot faster than sequestration. <laughs> Which is why our, I mean, that would be huge. And I think that's why a big part of our next presentation focuses on decreasing our emissions as a whole instead of increasing sequestration a lot, since that is a pretty infeasible idea to actually make carbon neutrality possible. Two this question may well be more germane after the second presentation, but uh, if it turns out that you could reduce your carbon footprint by eliminating the athletic program, would you do that? <laughs> <laughs> would we do that or would Kelvin do that? <laughs> would, do you mean would... Speaker, repeat the question for the audio recording. Oh, that would be great. Repeat the question. Um, is your question basically if we could formulate a plan to achieve carbon neutrality, would we actually put it into place? No. Oh. What would, if you want to reduce your carbon footprint, 
you could achieve some of that, reduce it by eliminating your athletic program. <laughs> oh, right. What would it take for the government to do that? Because there it seems to be the government's road. Um, so the question is basically, would we lose our athletic program, which sends students all around the world, in order to become carbon neutral? And no, we wouldn't. <laughs> Not to mention that while they're competing, you're breathing harder. It's true. <laughs> all right. right. One thing you need to tell the audience is you would, are you all engineering students or are you from No. Other we are engineering and biology students. And biology. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nice mix. Very productive mix. It is. All right. <laughs>